But first, to Tokumaru Bay on the East Cape. Bay Riddell is a trailblazing Māori potter. He's of Ngāti Parau and Tifano Arua Tua Taupare descent. He's been a full-time clay artist since 1974, working at the end of the wharf there in Tokumaru Bay. And in the 80s, Bay Riddell joined with other Māori clay artists to support each other collect- collectively as the rōpū Nā Kaihanga Uku. <clears throat> Nā Kaihanga meaning the makers or creators and Uku meaning clay. Together, Nā Kaihanga Uku have developed a unique ceramics pr- movement which has really had a rather striking development in contemporary Māori art, nay in ceramics worldwide. It's kind of its own kind of media next to pottery and sculpture. Riddell's brought the collective journey all together in a just-released book called Nā Kaihanga Uku. It's published by Te Papa Press. And I met up with Bay when he was in Pornaki recently and started by asking him, him how way back in the 70s he managed to survive as an artist. Yeah, well, in those days in the, in the New Zealand uh, pottery scene, a lot of potters were making uh, domestic wear, um, yes. generally modelled along Euro uh, kind of Japanese influences. So there was a good market for, for that handmade wear, domestic wear mainly. That got turned upside down when, when the, the government uh, took trade tariffs off imported ceramics. Oh, right. And you had the rise of, of places like the warehouse and so forth, providing very cheap <laughs> wear, coffee mugs and so forth for $2 to to the, to the market. And uh, a, a lot of um, New Zealand potters uh, really struggled. Yeah. Yeah. I'd started off on that sort of scenario, making domestic wear, and basically transitioned slowly into making more conceptual pieces and still uh, make a mixture, basically, of of, um, conceptual wear because I enjoy making, you know, the ordinary bowls and mugs and things that people use on an everyday basis. But you're not really... That's not what you're known... Really, you're a sculptor, right? I mean, if we were going to use words, potter suggests you make pots, but you're mostly known for... Well, sculptural-type wear, yeah. I tend to think of sculptural as being a, a derivative process or taken away from a, from a, a basic material like a lump of rock or, ah, a, right. or, a, or a, a piece of wood or something yes. like that. Mind you, uh, bronzing is not like that, but yeah, I guess uh, I'm known more for my small sculptural work. Tokumaru Bay, it's where you're based. You describe it as your ancestral homeland, but you, you didn't grow up there, is that right? Until I was six years old, and ah. it was in 1956, it was actually my family lived in Tapuia Springs, mm. which is eight miles north of Tokumaru Bay. And we moved out of the area because, well, there was a general exodus for work reasons out of the area. Some went to cities, some went to other places. We went down to Central Hawke's Bay, where my father worked on farms uh, as a farm labourer, and finally settled in Taradale in Napier. So... At 10 years old, we went to Taradale, and then I went to boarding school at St. Stephen's in Auckland, and from there down to Otago, and Otago to Christchurch, where I began uh, pottery. But you, re- you, re- you returned in 1979, I think, according to the book, and yes. uh, back to the Marae, I guess, and, and uh, Yeah, returned back to Tokumari Bay in 1979, and of course... Um, Antingoi uh, Pefairangi was very much a major figure in the revitalisation of Māori arts, raranga, right. uh, performing arts in particular, 
and, and so forth. She was one of the founding members of MASPAC, Māori and South Pacific Arts Council, uh, one of the original members. So, yeah, she had a big influence on the revitalisation and, of course, the te reo, te Māori language. Yeah. Are there other other ceramicists and potters in in your rohi in your area there, or has it been at the much? moment? Yeah, or, or over that time. Helen Mason was was living in Tokamari Bay right. at that time, right? And uh, and we we worked together, and she had a lot of connections, uh, being of course the one of the founders of the New Zealand uh, Potter Magazine. So we'd have a steady stream of artists uh, and people connected with the arts coming to visit her. Right. Teo Schoon stayed for a, a period with Helen. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> Before he moved up to Auckland. So there were people like um, Ivan Eho, uh, mm. who, who was one of the original founding members, uh, or who originally founded the Māori Arts uh, Department at the Tairawhiti Polytech, right. which later transitioned into Toyokura Māori Visual Arts School. And it's through, through connections like Ivan that, that I first made contact with uh, New Zealand Māori artists and writers, or Ngāpuna Waihanga. Seeing all these Māori artists working in new media and um, navigating, I guess, new ways of looking at Māori art, it was very inspirational and certainly, you know, uh, helped my work. <laughs> well, because one of the most fascinating things, I guess, about this book, uh, Nakahanga Oku and um, the collective, is that, you, you, you know, there wasn't a tradition that you were working from at least in the, uh, I guess, the, 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 the traditional sense of Māori culture here in New Zealand, there's the Lapita culture of pottery that people might know through the Pacific, but you really were create, creating a modern form, yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so out on Waihanga, because the general, the yearly uh, get-together on Ngāpuna Waihanga was generally over Queen's birthday weekend, where everyone came together, and that was a three-day, generally wet and windy, and so it wasn't very <laughs> conducive to, to making clay pieces and getting them dry and fired in that three very condensed period. And so we, deter- oh, no, we determined, or the ones who had come together at that time, uh, myself and Manos Nathan and Paparangi Reed and Ryan and Marsden, uh, we decided we needed a longer uh, wānanga or period to investigate or, or share more technical processes. And so that's when we decided to have a two-week wānanga at Tokumaru Bay. And that was the first one in 1987. Now, at that and subsequent wānanga, we evolved a, a kind of a strategy, a th- kind of like a three-stranded plat, as to how we might proceed as uh, Māori ceramicists, Māori potters, uh, Māori clay workers, Māori artists, uh, clay artists. Firstly, we would make approach clay and and pottery making and and ceramics from a Māori perspective, because as I mentioned earlier, the main influences were from uh, European and Japanese uh, uh, disciplines, and and they were good disciplines. Uh, for the technical side of things and and the philosophies and so forth, 
but we needed to work from our own perspectives and uh, use our own uh, tikanga, kawa, whakapapa and so forth, uh, tell our own stories. And we basically, we weren't very, we weren't overly prescriptive in how that might happen. We left it to each individual. Each individual was, you know, on their own journey and perhaps uh, where they were within their their uh, their cultural reclamation or their cultural stance, yeah. uh, their cultural journey. The second was that we would share our knowledge and resources with each other unequivocally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, you needed to support each other, really. Yeah, that's it's not right. Like we them. needed to support each other. Yeah. Well, I guess the concept was tōrauro, nā tōrauro, me taku rauro, hei manaki ki te iwi, with your, your basket and my basket, we'll sustain the people. Indeed. Yeah. So that's what we did. So we began, um, as I say, sharing practical knowledge, but also doing practical things like, you know, building kilns for each other and so on, uh, dig, uh, identify and dig local clays. The third strand of, of that plat was that we would make contact with um, other indigenous cultures, particularly those with ceramic traditions, such as Native mm. Americans, such as uh, uh, Fijian potters and so forth, and even uh, ones that we we had to perhaps adjust our concept of indigeneity because one of the indigenous uh, potters we ended up making contact with was a Celtic potter who was indigenous to, to Britain. Aye, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So when you were reaching back, I mean, um, you note in the book that stories from Māori of the first human being came from uku, from clay. So there's, there's very rich stories, aren't there, that connect. I mean, we're talking about, of course, the earth and the, the yep. water, the, the air, There's all the fire, the, 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 all of these very strong elemental aspects to the practice. That's right. Yeah, we, we tend to think from a Māori perspective in terms of entities rather than materials, so in terms of whakapapa and mm. our stories and so forth, each uh, aspect of ceramics uh, has a whakapapa, like, uh, you know, fire has a whakapapa, the clays have a whakapapa, and the air, air and the wind and uh, the water all have whakapapa, and as I say, they're more associated with, our, with, with entities rather than being considered as inert, perhaps, materials. Mm. Yeah. Well, there were two things that struck me also with your practices. I, I, I believe you, your, your studio is at the end of a wharf. I mean, you're literally surrounded by water <laughs> there at Tokamaru Bay, yeah? Yes, that's right. Yes, it's in some old wharf, wharf buildings at, at Tokamaru Bay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was that just, uh, that was a practical, that was practical rather than <laughs> Well, it was uh, serendipitous, I think. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just happened to be, yeah, a great spot, uh, a great spot because everyone comes down to the wharf and they linger there and they get curious and come into the gallery. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a photograph of you doing an open firing there, a huge fire. Uh, what, what's the process there? Is that something that you do a lot? Yes, as I said, we've um, we've adopted, like, that that particular open firing I think that you're talking about is one, uh, we'd been experimenting uh, with um, open-type firings. An open firing is a firing that's uh, not enclosed by bricks in, in a kiln type firing and that particular there are several types of open t- uh, open firings that we'd uh, picked up over the years some from native american potters some from fijian potters some from korean potters and the particular one i think you're talking about was a korean uh, technique 
Uh, um, and they actually take a lot of uh, expertise to do properly and to do well. They're not so-called primitive firings. They're very, yeah, as I say, need uh, quite a lot of uh, a lot of skill to to get good results. And that was Bay Riddell there speaking to me, Mark Amory, on Culture 101 RNZ National.